On this week's episode, Thor wields a mighty hammer at the box office. Was the boys just as good in season three? And is there a future for Tron after 40? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, Vampires of Vitae, and all the great things that we do connected to the Pop Culture Cosmos by going ahead and checking out the latest news and information each and every week on the world of pop culture right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, popculturecosmos.com. Of course, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae and the fact that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. Check out all the great games that we do each and every week live right there at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, including Demolition Force, the great games on the weekend. Plus also as well, we do great things with Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, all the great things that go on each and every week right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you can catch all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own D-Rez from Tron Lore of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Humanican Media, wherever you get it, at social media, plus his great shows, Topic Apocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast, and his amazing book, which you can get hopefully on sale for Prime Day, which is Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend and daddy on the way one more time <laughs> my good friend it is josh peterson what's up man what is going on how's it going how's the heat out in nevada right now just gonna be right around 113 all week long uh, yay we're at about 104 out here oh we beat you sorry you did you did Yes, I can get an even higher grade of sunburn over here in Las Vegas. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome indeed, as always. <laughs> but congratulations to you, my friend. I heard there's a new expected child on the way. I wish all the best to you, your wife, again, for a happy and healthy child. Thank so you. Hoping that will Appreciate be uh, always the case for you, my friend, as your family grows even more and more. And Truly hoping for great things for the Peterson household, including some great things for you along the line of What's going on in pop culture? I know you have some thoughts on Thor, Love, and Thunder, and we'll go ahead and make sure that everybody knows what those thoughts are as we tell you exactly what's going on with Thor, Love, and Thunder. Where did it finish up in the box office? That's coming up in a minute. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about The Boys, Season 3. That just concluded. Wild and crazy once again, but wasn't as wild and crazy as we once liked it to see it from previous seasons. Did it match up to seasons one and two? We'll talk about that coming up. Vince McMahon and the WWE. <sighs> Even more trouble has been brought out to light in the past few days as more allegations and information has come up in the past few days. So we'll talk about that. Is it going to finally spell doom for Vince McMahon and his control over the WWE? We'll speculate on that coming up in the show. We got an email this past week from the folks at space challenge in regards to what they are reporting or what their study is on the best year for video games so we're going to talk about if they are correct on the best year for video games their itinerary their criteria what what they use for it we're going to ask ourselves is their answer for the best years for video games correct 
or do we have something in mind for that as well? Plus, Amazon Prime Day. We're going to talk about that coming up this week. Who's competing against it? Who's throwing out some good stuff? And why you need to be prepared coming up this week for Amazon Prime Day. Plus, Tron turns to Magical 40 this past weekend. Well, what we're going to talk about is if there is a future for Tron after 40. Is there life for Tron after 40? That's coming up on the episode as well. But first, my friend, it is Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder debuted right around $143 million this weekend domestically at the box office and around $300 million worldwide. It is about, I want to say, $65 to $70 million behind Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But it's still doing strong overseas and, again, getting off to one of the best starts in 2022. I was hoping it would be a little bit more solid. Analysts were hoping right around 150 but still a very good start to Thor Love and Thunder. You had some thoughts that you wanted to go ahead and share because you've actually seen Thor Love and Thunder. So please go ahead and let me know your thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder as it hits number one this weekend for the box office. I did not enjoy it. I hate to say that. I really do because like I came out of Doctor Strange with a bad taste in my mouth, but I don't know. I'm I'm sitting there watching Thor and I'm like I really really want to enjoy this movie, but I I can't. You know, because I I like Taika Waititi, but I only like him so much. Marvel keeps doing this thing where they're rewriting their rules. You know, they're rewriting established storylines and character development and it really bothers me you know they did that with dr strange they basically retconned everything they did with wanda and wandavision which i thought was really good and then they kind of ruined her character by turning her into this like vile witch lady same thing with thor and i thought endgame really brought his character full circle and then they just turned him into a bumbling idiot the entire movie And I don't know, like, I have an issue with this because we've talked about Ragnarok. Like, Ragnarok was funny, but it it had its, like, serious moments. But this entire movie, all of Thor Love and Thunder, was just, the whole thing was a joke. And even the moments that were supposed to be serious, I couldn't take seriously because I kept waiting for a punchline. Mm -hmm. And that really made it so I was unsure about the movie. I didn't know what to think about it. You know, like they had female Thor, right? Like that's a really good comic arc where Jane Foster becomes Thor because she has cancer. And they kind of took that story and like you didn't feel for her because there are just so many jokes happening. You know, and Thor, I, I can't even remember a single serious line that Thor delivered in that movie. You talk about Chris Hemsworth's story, you didn't, you know, yeah. no serious lines at there, all. There's literally no serious lines from him in that story. They turned him into like a sitcom dad. You know, they turned him basically into like a Marvel version of Peter Griffin. <laughs> Where's Seth MacFarlane when you need him? For real, for real. Yeah, I don't know. Like, well, I, although I, he is making the next Naked Gun, so, you know. Yeah, you yeah, I know. So, like, I guess I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I just, I don't. I don't know. It was just too much. It was too much. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you is the things that I recently talked about with Ben Arnault and also Melinda Barkhouse Ross is regarding the future and where we stand in phase four and where are we going to, where is this all leading up to? I mean, phase four has been a a lot about introductions for various characters, including today Mm -hmm. with Thor Love and Thunder with Jane Foster's character going forward in the MCU, where is this leading up to? I know there's as far as end credit scenes, there's two of them. I don't want you to go ahead and divulge what goes on there, but is there a future? Can you see where they're going? I mean, because that's the, was the beauty of even the bad films that you and I suffered through in phases two and three is we at least saw by the cutscenes, by what went on in the movie, that it was leading all to what happened in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Do you see those type of things happen here? Because again, I know a little bit, maybe it's revolving around the multiverse, maybe it's not. I don't know. Secret Wars, are we talking about X Men? You know, all these other variable things that are out there that are being hinted upon, but nothing seems directly, there's no through line 
as what we're seeing. No, there are no cohesive through line. And that seems to be a problem a lot of people are having. It's like, okay, I know I watched the previous 10 years of Marvel and it all led towards something. So even watching the bad stuff, I at least still got something out of it because it was all leading towards something. I'm not seeing that here in this phase so far. Does that continue with Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah, there's no there's no connectivity to a bigger world out there. And and that's, you know, I, yeah, I was kind of expecting the end credit scenes to kind of set something up, but it just kind of sets up more like shenanigans in the Thor world. You know, other than that, like you're right, you're right. You know, we where there is nothing like there's no big bad ahead. No one's really paying attention to what is the bigger picture, you know. And and outside of Spider-Man, was it No Way Home was uh, yeah. the last one? This like first five or six movies of this new phase, they haven't been good. Like Black Widow was okay. Spider-Man was was great. Doctor Strange, not great. Eternals, not great. Thor, not great. Like it's just Shang Chi was was pretty good. Shang Chi was good. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that one. That one was pretty good. But for the most part, the movies have not been good. You know, like it's just like one, yeah. Where is it going? And two, there's just the the quality and storytelling is just not there like it was in Marvel's like first three phases, and that concerns me moving forward. And also burns me out. Like it makes me. Say like, oh, it makes me feel like it's a waste of time and I don't want to keep watching any more of it. Well, that's what I mean. That's what it comes down to. You are just like a lot of other growing amount of people out there that are feeling the same way. Why am I continuing watching these movies? Why am I continuing watching these television shows on Disney Plus if it's all not going to lead anything? We talked about this with Moon Knight Mm -hmm. and it just seemingly wants to do whatever it can to disassociate itself from the MCU. Seemingly when you watch it, you're waiting for some cutscenes for some type of connectivity and you're, and you're just not seeing it. And just Miss Marvel at least is going to have that connectivity because it leads into the Marvels, AKA Captain Marvel two at some point down the line next but, year. Yeah, it's still smaller picture though, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. not big, big image type thing. It doesn't do that. I like it. I know Kevin Feige had said something in an interview, like in the next like three or four months, we're going to get to see like what's ahead. I know Comic-Con's coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's going to hopefully elaborate more on the schedule going forward for what, the next what couple of years. on the slate, though? Like what's coming out? Black Panther 2 is coming out next. Okay. That's later this year. And All then right. you have, I guess you could put in the, the Christmas special for the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. And then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, that third part of the trilogy there. You have for sh- television shows, you have She-Hulk, Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. Those Echo, are coming up. Echoes after that, right? I think so. I'm not sure. Again, we're going to get a confirmation on that. I know later this month on the television shows and movie lineup. I, I'm thinking through 2023 at least. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for that so we can at least get some sort of direction. But will that mean a Fantastic Four? Will that mean an X-Men? What is it leading up to? That's yeah. what I want to know. That's that's the problem. Is it going to be leading up to some mini Avengers movie like Age of Ultron or something like that? Or is it going to lead to something larger like it did ultimately mm-hmm. with Infinity War? I think it needs to lead to something big. It has to. Otherwise, yeah. it makes all these things feel like a waste of time. Because you're not going to get people to the movies based on standalone stories anymore. 25 movies into this Marvel Cinematic Universe. They want the connective tissue. That's what Marvel has been praised for doing so well over the years. And now they're like seemingly breaking away from that formula. And if that's the case, like, why are we going to continue to go to the theaters to watch these? You know, it's like you're going to see less and less people go out to watch these, you know, quote unquote event films. And they're just going to wait till they come out on digital or blu-ray or whatever to watch them because why spend that money you know and now with disney plus and these movies coming out six weeks to seven weeks later mm-hmm. out on disney plus people are finding less incentive to go out and spend 50 to 100 dollars at the movie theater to yeah. go check it out i know that we'll be seeing down the line again at some point in time maybe x-men maybe fantastic four blade i know we're going to be seeing a reintroduction of him into the mcu at some point in time which is great but will that lead into something spectacular in a new avengers film later down the road and how much later down the road 
hopefully we can get a better idea coming up here in the not too distant future because i think a lot of fans up there a growing sentiment from them is similar to what you're having as far as like okay i'm here i'm watching why do i need to continue to do so yeah so just not to paint an entirely bad picture let me say a couple things i did like about the movie one christian bale's villain is was terrifying like i did he was amazing in that movie like the movie itself is probably like my bottom five marvel movies but christian bale is definitely in my top five marvel villains oh that's good that's good yeah and you also said about Russell Crowe as Zeus. I Russell mean, Crowe though... is Zeus. Yeah, he he was a joke too, but like he they did a good job of you know if you're able. This is something I don't know if this is much of a spoiler, but they do get ready to introduce a new character related to Zeus, who is part of the you know the Marvel comic storylines. He wasn't in it huge, but he did a pretty good job, and it seemed like he was having fun in doing so. Yeah, yeah. I did like the, uh, you know, they go to this big god world, the um, omnipotent city, I think it's called, and they do tie in, like, you see the celestials from the Eternals are there, and, like, that was neat. There's definitely some Easter eggs there, for sure. There, there's another scene where, like, Thor empowers all these kids with, like, lightning powers, really cool scene there, but... You know, other than that, like the movie didn't really do much for me. You know, it was like one of those. Usually, when I am sitting in a movie theater and I have to pee, I'm like, I don't want to get up to do this right now because I don't want to miss anything. But this movie, I'm like, I don't really care. So I just kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah. does that make sense? You know, it's just like not good. That's the problem. And if you're thinking that way, and again, it only has a 60 on Metacritic, which tells me there's a lot of people out there and a lot of critics out there that are not liking everything they see. Right now, in its first weekend, it did pretty good. It's going to have to reach a billion dollars in order to pass Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness because Thor, uh, excuse me, Doctor Strange 2 is chugging right along it's, it's still at 950 million if you check the numbers so not there at a billion yet i'm not sure if it'll get there will it pass the billion dollar mark will thor love and thunder reach the same heights and even pass or succeed dr strange and multiverse of madness i'm rooting for melinda and i i'm hoping that it will go ahead and reach the same heights and even pass dr strange and multiverse of madness but we'll see but again Finished right around 143 million for this weekend at the domestic box office and 300 million dollars worldwide. So pretty good start. One of the best starts of 2022 for Thor: Love and Thunder. But if you have thoughts on Thor: Love and Thunder, please share them with us. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts opinion pieces and discussions about the los angeles lakers well look no further than lakerholics.com with a legion of followers always there talking about everything lakers and the nba there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run so stop by and be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.com well before we hit the break my friend i wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit of the boys season three just concluded with another cataclysmic battle as they do seemingly now each and every season ending episode that they do well i I keep seeing all these like headlines spoil it for me i want to know like what what's going Uh, on again there was a big battle with soldier boy versus homelander even though they are technically father and son because Soldier Boy's DNA was used to go ahead and create Homelander. Homelander's son, you know, that he had with the wife of Carl Urban's character, Butcher. Yeah. Yeah. He was heavily involved, the kid was, because the kid reconciled with Homelander. Carl Urban's character, Butcher, was deeply upset in regards to the reconciliation of the son with Homelander. And that led to a final battle where it was going to be Butcher and Soldier Boy facing off against Homelander. And it looked like it was going to be, and also Maeve. Maeve, they found Maeve, who was incapacitated for quite some time. For a couple episodes, they found Maeve, and she was in on this battle. So it led to a battle where, first off, 
the soldier boy, even though that's his grandson, technically, he actually uh, got very mad at his grandson and, and took a pot shot at him. With, and that set off a chain where not only Homelander was mad at soldier, soldier boy and, and wanted to go ahead and face off against him, but also as well Butcher realizing that the bigger of the two evils at that point in time was soldier boy decided to go ahead and turn on soldier boy and they went off in a battle soldier boy versus butcher because butcher wanted to protect the child and that also led to mave seeing an opening and so it was mave versus homelander then also as well soldier boy versus butcher and then starlight came onto the scene and kimiko she was actually involved a little bit on it, so it led to a battle within the studio. It wasn't the same open confines at the end, like we saw at the end of season two, where it was actually more open ended. It's okay, battle. Unfortunately, though, it led to as spoilers. It led to the fact that yes, even though Soldier Boy got his explosion out of it, Maeve actually ended up saving the day by grabbing him and taking him outside and jumping out the building and them exploding outside the the Vought building. And you think that was the end of Maeve and Soldier Boy, but no, wasn't the end of anyone out there. No major character really bit the dust, which was, again, kind of disappointing that they don't want to really let anyone die, except for Black Noir, which met a untimely end due to the fact that he never told Homelander about the fact that Soldier Boy was his father. That was an issue that with with Black Noir, so like uh, Homelander killed Black Noir, even though it hurt him very much to do so. So that was the only major death in this final episode, which seemingly I think needed something more. The major but battle Black, was done. Black Noir doesn't talk though. Yeah, but he because he was part of the Soldier Boy's original crew, he knew the secret. Oh, of, gotcha. yeah, yeah, and because remember. Soldier Boy's team hated Soldier Boy so much that you find out during this over the course of the episodes that they betrayed Soldier Boy and had him captured by the Russians. So it leads to a situation where Homelander finds out about his patronage from Soldier Boy. And then, you know, this is something like, why didn't anyone tell me? Black Noir, he knew, had that longstanding relationship as Soldier Boy. And he knew Soldier Boy was coming to kill him anyways. And he goes, why didn't you tell me about this? And he just didn't. So for that, he paid the price. That was the only major death in regards to what was going on with the boys. I think it needed something more just to shake things up for season four. Yeah. It was good for the season. It was a good season. It had one great episode, which is the hero gasm episode, which is the episode, as I tell everybody out there, is the one I think you cannot afford to miss. But overall, it didn't reach the heights, I think, or the consistent highs of seasons one and two because it did a lot of character building in the early episodes. And so they were a little bit slower paced and they were a little bit more down to earth. Pardon the pun. I just think at this point in time, it led to a good season, but not a great season for the boys overall. Okay, so you think it sets up a strong future for next season? Because, I mean, look, we're, we're reaching that point with the boys where it's like, you have to keep making things interesting or you have to create like a, a finish line that things are building up to. So where are we with that? I know Kripke originally wanted to do for Supernatural. He had a uh, five season story, but the more people liked it, the more he just dragged it on. I think that's what ultimately killed the show. So do we see somewhere this is heading? Well, it has to head somewhere in a not too distant future, because I think the ultimate thing that's going to take place is that the child, the kid, is going to turn on Homelander. That has to be the ultimate battle because he is the ultimate one that has the same level or could have even more powers than Homelander is the son in all this equation. So at the very end, you see the son watching Homelander kill off a protester and everybody with that was on one side that loved Homelander actually ended up loving all that and they were applauding him. And the kid was watching all this and you see the kid start to smile like, oh yeah, that's what my dad's doing. Oh man, I, they, they love him for it. Oh, I can't, I, I gotta be like him. So you, he's starting to turn towards the dark side, but you figure it sometime in the next couple seasons or whenever they decide to finish off, it has to ultimately lead to the Sun versus Homelander type of battle. It just looks like it's going to end up like that because he's seemingly the only one that's going to have enough strength to go ahead and have the power to match up to Homelander. Soldier Boy was put in a chamber 
Now the U.S. government has him and Maeve has gone into retirement because she was so badly injured after everything went on with her battle with Homelander. She had a battle with Homelander that led to her eye being gouged out. And then before she went ahead and saved everybody by grabbing Soldier Boy and jumping out of the bot building before he exploded. So she was heading towards retirement on the other side of the U.S. You know, as the episode ends. But you know, with Starlight, she went ahead and decided to ditch Vought International for once and for all. And she's now teaming up with the boys officially. Of as course, we knew up. that was going to happen at some point. She's, yeah. how's the, what's the love story like between her and Huey? Is that still going on? Yeah, that's still going on. They reconciled. It got really strained, you know, because he was taking the, the temporary compound V, which mm-hmm. uh, she found out was going to destroy their brains. And actually, because he continued to do so, Butcher was hospitalized and found out he has only 12 to 18 months to live because he took excessive amounts of temporary compound V. So that looks like something, again, that's another clue that's going to tell you that they probably only have maybe one or two seasons left in the series because they want to play off that Butcher is dying. And then also, last but not least, the senator that's been involved that actually is secretly a superpower person herself that can actually look at you and pop off your head Oh, jeez. Uh, she has that ability that was showcased from time to time in the series. She becomes the new vice presidential candidate because there's going to be a presidential election, I guess, around the center. It's going to be some, one of the central themes of the next season because the Deep, who is now an obedient understudy of Homelander, he went and killed the vice presidential candidate. So she becomes the new vice presidential candidate. So she is in alignment with everything that Homelander is doing and that you see at the end of the episode as well. So Homelander is still manipulating people behind the scenes. Absolutely. And now that he's running Vaught International at the end of this season, or actually it happened throughout the season where he took over for Giancarlo Esposito's character. Yeah, yeah, he has become the mastermind behind everything. So yeah, it's looking more and more at the end of this season, like Homelander has more control than ever. Jeez. Okay. I mean, good for them, but I, I like I said, I hope the story goes somewhere. You know, it's like I, I hope there's an ending in sight and doesn't just keep dragging on and on and on. Well, I don't think it will drag itself on and on and on. I think again with the death sentence that's been handed out to butcher in the way of him taking too much temporary compound v the fact that the son is there and now going to play a more integral role because he's now reconciled with his dad and is now for now looking like he's going to be turning to the side of evil but may get that comeuppance at some point in time. it looks like if it holds a traditional storyline that 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 could take place so we'll see what happens but season three was good it just wasn't as great as seasons one and two it did a lot of more character arc building, and I think uh, this season suffered for it. But Herogasm, which is the major episode, plus the shock value of episode one, which they did, which there's a shock value, really something that people are still talking about today that was, even for them, kind of shocking. It was something that people will be talking about from season three. But yeah, overall, it was a good watch, just not a great one. Okay, all right. I mean, I'm still wanting to catch up on it at some point, but... Until you say that it's not worth watching, I'll probably still try to watch it. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and hear the thoughts from Melinda, because I know she finished off the boys as well. So I'll hear her thoughts on the PC multiverse. But if you have thoughts out there on the boys, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Coming up on the back end, it's the WWE and more troubles for them with Vince McMahon. The best year for video games, Amazon Prime Day, and Tron has turned 40. Is there a future for Tron? We'll find out, and we'll share our thoughts on that on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, playsets, what-if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
want to thank so much everybody at Retro City Games and congratulate them on their new store that they're opening up this week. They're moving out of the old in their Henderson location and they're going into the new later this week. Hopefully, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to live stream on their Facebook page, Retro City Games. You can go ahead and check that out there. Coming up later this week, I believe on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be a grand opening for their new store in Henderson. So check that out if you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's episode. WWE and Vince McMahon, the allegations we talked about a couple weeks ago in regards to a... Catch catch me up on this. Catch me up. Okay. Well, we talked a couple weeks ago about a hush payment that was made in regards to an inappropriate relationship that Vince McMahon had with a, a former employee. Well, there was an investigation that was ongoing in regards to that. Plus, is there anything more? Well, it looks like, according to the Wall Street Journal, that they've uncovered that there's been over $12 million in hush money payments for four different inappropriate relationships or hush money in regards to four possible inappropriate relationships for Vince McMahon that has been paid out over the course of time, not just happened in the past year. This is something that's happened over the course, I think, of the past 20 years, but $12 million for four payments. This cannot be a good sign, my friend, but when the individual involved owns 80% of the voting shares for WWE, it's really hard to go ahead and say if there will be still a future or not be a future for Vince McMahon going forward. Obviously, the Harvey Weinstein thing is like the, the biggest scandal like that known for a long time. How would you rate the Vince McMahon situation in comparison to the Harvey Weinstein? Oh my gosh. They're, well, they're both obviously not very good situations at all for either one. And, and inappropriate relations like that are to the point where, you know, there's, there's hush money involved. And could, could there be some criminal action going forward against Vince McMahon? I'm not sure. Again, I'm not a, you know, okay. a specialist in that sense, but we saw with Harvey Weinstein, that's, some really bad stuff that went on there and he's serving a much deserved jail time because of it. So could that happen for Vince McMahon? I don't know. I mean, the hush money was meant to go ahead and hush, but obviously it it wasn't hush enough, which Mm -hmm. will bring this out to light. And hopefully there will be some type of rectification for it because he is the controlling stockholder and he does have the major say at what goes on for the WWE. He has stepped down as CEO, but he's still in charge of the creative product overall. But and still at all the his t- daughter's in charge now, isn't she? Stephanie, she, Stephanie is the, she came back off of hiatus. She had taken some time off and then she came back now as, and as the CEO. But with that, there's still the guy behind the scenes is still Vince McMahon. He's at all the television shows. He's still directing everything. Everything is still run by him. So as long as he's still there and his presence is still there, it's still his WWE, no matter if he doesn't have the title or not. He is still controlling things of WWE and people will still have an issue with that, especially after what just came to light in regards to all these hush money payments. So I don't know. We'll see. This The week ahead, you know, if something happens, I'm going to bring on my good friend John Orlando from the PVD cast. I just stopped by his show. So please check out the episode that we did at the PVD cast. So we're talking a lot of WWE in that show. but. If something happens, I'm told him I'm, I have him on standby. I'll bring him on. We'll talk about it. But he's been Teflon so far. So I don't know if this will actually be the one thing that finally has him leaving the WWE for good. I'm not even sure yeah. this will do it. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's still like the, the, it can't, the, the WWE or like the whole wrestling thing, it can survive without Vince McMahon. Like he's in, he's a relic of days gone by. And I think the, you know, wrestling can definitely thrive without him there well it has to at some point because he's 76 years old he can't be doing this forever Mm -hmm. so it's i know a lot of people are worried that if he leaves the wwe or professional wrestling as a whole will be on this downslide wwe right now is i think at a point where it's not really doing all that well it's at a lower end of its popularity and it's still getting two million viewers each and every time out or right around there for both its major shows, SmackDown and Raw. So I think that, you know, right now what we're seeing with the professional wrestling industry is that there's still more to go ahead and prove. AEW, All Elite Wrestling, is doing okay numbers. They're always right around 750,000 to a million viewers for their stuff on TNT and TBS. So I wish continued success for them. We'll see. But the WWE, I think that it will survive without Vince McMahon. It has to. 
I do yeah. think that they need to sell. I personally, I think that they need some type of fresh ideas because I think what they're doing now is putting a lot of band-aids. They're bringing in Logan Paul. They just signed him to a oh, major five-year. Yep. Pat McAfee, they signed him to an extension on a long-term contract. They've got Bad Bunny coming in and out, whatnot. And then they have Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns now on part-time deals as far as them coming in whenever they want to. That's great. They're all band-aids, but I think they need to focus on the product itself and the individuals that are there day in, day out a little bit more. And once they do that and they find that mercurial star, remember, with the WWE, they're one mercurial star away from just achieving super success again. They're just, you know, whether they create it or whether they fall into it, they're just one John Cena, The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan away from going ahead and hitting the stratosphere once again. I think they're just right now in a holding pattern. I think they're at the lower ebb of their popularity, but I think mm -hmm. that, like I said, all it takes is just one good storyline, one good character in order for them to go ahead and achieve success once again. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think everybody will talk again. People will be talking about them at some point in time, if they just find a connection to the audience, like they did with the attitude era. If they do, then this is all moot, you know, but I really think with Vince McMahon, I think at some point in time, they're going to have to make a hard decision, all of them in regards to that, because mm -hmm. this is not looking good for the company. And as long as he's there, it's kind of like this dark cloud. That's oh, yeah. I mean, the it's company. it's yeah. a liability for sure, too, going yeah. forward. Absolutely. So, yeah, just if you have any thoughts on WWE and Vince McMahon, we'd love to hear it. But things right now are still the status quo, according to what we're hearing. We'll see if anything changes this week. And if it does, I'll bring on John Orlando and we'll go ahead and make sure that we've got your information covered when it concerns the WWE. But what are your thoughts out there on the WWE and Vince McMahon and the latest news and information on the scandal that's going on with the over $12 million in hush money payments that have been made by Vince McMahon over the years? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you, my friend, is what I sent over to you on an email by the folks at Spades Challenge. Now, I think when you go to Spades Challenge, it's obviously going to try and get you involved in some type of you know, Spades Challenge to, if you're interested in Spades. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested. But it was weird. I got this offhanded email sending in with their thoughts on the best year for video games. So the reason why I, I brought this to your attention is because you and I have talked about this before, and we've always thought that 2007 is the most mercurial year for video games because of the deep influence that it's had on the industry since then. It is one of the most successful years for video games, business-wise, but is it the most critically lauded year for video games? And I think that's what their point was as far as what they sent over to me and then I sent it to you in regards to that. Because they did a study in regards to games on Metacritic and what they're rated at. And it came out to the most games in the top 2000 for Metacritic that 2003 with almost 200 titles in the top 2000, according to Metacritic, that that is the best year for gaming. Then it went 2004, 2005, 2002, 2006, 2007 at number six, 2010, 2001, 2008, and last but not least at number 10, 2009. Well, the first thing that struck me when I read this list was that, okay, so you're telling me that the 80s, 90s, and anything in the last decade, you know, outside of 2010, there was nothing there that, that didn't have enough good years, any of them that would qualify on that list. Kind of found that kind of suspect. And then the second thing is, I mean, you they listed out the titles, some of the titles that came out during that period of time, that 2003 number one era and it was like what they have fire emblem gothic 2 star wars knights of the old republic those are great games i'm not going to get them wrong but 2007 man that has a deep influence on this industry like no other yeah no i agree like in recent memory like i say 2017 is like stands out to me definitely but 2007 like I remember playing in 2007 more games that year than I have ever played any other year. 
Um, they're saying that this was a statistical analysis just going well, off of Metacritic scores. Here's, and, but here's the thing, though. Like, they're not taking into account, like, yeah, Metacritic scores, those are critics, though. You know, like, this was also, like, we have this 10-year span of time. And I don't remember, I don't know if you remember in the, the 2000s or not, but, like, there was a big boom in people creating game, now defunct gaming journalism sites. So like you have a bunch of extra things contributing to this, but this is only like a 10 year span of time and no years from the eighties, no years from the nineties, no years after 2010. But I mean, just the fact that it only goes from 2001 to 2010, this list here, like it tells me that there's, there's some kind of bias going on in this survey. It seems like it seems like, and indeed, I mean, I don't want to say that the folks from spades challenge are wrong, but Come on. When you look at the lineup of 2007 and exactly see what's going on today, Fire Emblem still remains from 2003. I know that Fire Emblem comes out as far as in different variations and forms from time to time, but Fire Emblem is can't hold a candle to Bioshock. No. Okay. Uncharted, Mass Effect, Rock Band, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I mean, we're seeing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the reboot, this year. That tells okay. you 15 years later, the, how much of an effect that, that so game has. The orange, the orange Box, Super Mario Galaxy. I mean, you mentioned a ton of games off the top of your head in regards to that. I mean, there's so many games that came out during that. Yeah, I mean, this is the games that you said you played during 2007. Now, I don't know if all these games came out in 2007, but you're saying the games that you played. These are 2007 release games. Like there's okay. a couple I forgot. I didn't include Mass Effect or Call of Duty. I forgot about those. Okay. So I got Lost Planet, Final Fantasy VI, Advance, Crackdown, Virtue Fighter Five, Tekken Five, God of War Two, Armored Core Four, Test Drive Unlimited, Medal of Honor Vanguard, The Elder Scrolls: Shivering Isles, Guitar Hero Two, Forza Motorsports Two. Bioshock, Blue Dragon, Heavenly Sword, Medal of Honor, Airborne, Halo 3 was a huge title. Assassin's um, Creed was there. Yeah, Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil Umbrella, Chronicles, Crisis, Uncharted. Like, these were all massive games, you know? And I remember, like, I worked at Best Buy this year, so I, I was spending a lot of money that I shouldn't have been spending. But, like, I have <laughs> never played more games in my life than 2007. I just remember anytime I was done, there's another game that was coming out. It just seems like that they're missing the point when it comes to which is the best year for video games. I know Rob McCallum and I had an argument at once because he was talking about some year in the 1990s. We were going back and forth, but he just couldn't he couldn't win because of the fact that 2007 had games that have affected the industry going forward even 15 years later because yeah. you're about ready later this year to play a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 reboot, which all emanates from the most popular and most well-beloved game in the Call of Duty series, which helped make it a behemoth that it is today. When it concerns Uncharted, we just had a $400 million movie based off the video game Uncharted from 2007. Assassin's Creed, the next time you and I talk about a new Assassin's Creed on the way, guess where it emanates from? 2007 people are going to have to realize that it's just a situation where the most momentous games didn't come statistically maybe from 2007 but when you look at it when you match it up against any other year i think it's just there's no choice there's just no choice to make well i'd be curious about what the the average joe thinks is the best year of gaming you know like we're i i I read a lot of gaming websites you know I, I jump around from ign to polygon to kotaku to game informer whatever else is out there and like i see them rating high these games that like i hated you know so i'd be curious to know what the average joe thinks is the best year you know in fact if you're listening to this podcast send us an email and let us know the best year of gaming for you or reach out social media sometime on social yeah. media and we'll we'll post something i'm sure but i I want to know what everyone else thinks is the best year game because I certainly wouldn't ask a critic what the best movie ever made was. I would want to know what average people think. So reach out. Let us know what the best year of gaming is in your opinion because I really want to know what the average person thinks. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So please, if you have any thoughts on the best year of video games because I'm convinced it's 2007. Josh, which year is it for you? I mean, looking at it, I would say 2007, but the one that sticks out in recent memory for me is 2017. 
Yeah. But that was also because that was the last year that we got a lot of games, quality games out, you know, and then we ended up going 2018, 19, pre-pandemic, pandemic and all that. So that's just the year that sticks out in recent memory to me. I don't know if it's the best, but. Well, again, everybody has their opinion on it. Statistically, Spades Challenge says that it's a different year, 2003. And again, we have issues with how that was structured. But still, I mean, that's their thoughts. Our thoughts are different. What are your thoughts on the best year of video games? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, a couple things before we head on out. Amazon Prime Day is here, or actually it's on the verge of being here as I talk about this. It's going to be starting on the 12th, 13th. Best Buy is going to be running a sale themselves. And I know another Walmart, Target, I know a lot of these outlets are going to be running competing sales for your money as well. So people have to be on the lookout for that. And yeah. of course, like I that, said, Am- that's Go. tough because they don't, Amazon sells everything, you know, like Target doesn't sell everything. Best Buy doesn't sell everything. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but like, I'm still going to go to Amazon. And right there from just a couple clicks away on your computer. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. I know they've got a lot of sales that have started up already. So you can actually start peeking around to seeing what's there, but they've got a lot of major sales coming for 12th and 13th. But yeah, I mean, we talked about this every year, you know, as far as Amazon prime day being an event now more than just a, a sale. I mean, is the most, I think right now looked over sale, the most beloved, most interested sale that people have outside of Black Friday, I think, all year long when it comes down to it. I think there's no other sale right now that people talk about more outside of Black Friday than Amazon Prime Day. Am I wrong? No, I don't. Absolutely not. Yeah. Best Buy is trying to throw competing sales. Target's trying to throw competing sales. Walmart's trying to throw competing sales on Walmart and Walmart.com. So, I mean, the sales are out there for you, but Amazon Prime Day is coming and it's going to start this week on the 12th and 13th. So look out for it. Hopefully you can find a sale at a price and a product that you've been looking for at a price that you want to go ahead and pay for. So I'm hoping that there'll be some good deals out there for everyone out there. So if you have thoughts on Amazon Prime Day and some good deals, I know they're going down. Obviously, anything relating to the Amazon equipment or the Amazon brand, like the Fire Series or a ring that they bought. And, you know, of course, now they have the ring security systems that they go ahead and now it's under their umbrella. So the Fire Systems, the Fire TV, uh, obviously, I know Alexa Systems, if you need an Alexa, another Alexa, you can go ahead and probably get a good deal on that. I know they have a lot of TVs that they're going to have on sale, electronics, consumer electronics, you know, are going to be at a big reduction. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. And of course, that leads into clothes, that leads into jewelry, leads into all the things that they sell there. So yeah, a massive sale, I think, is going on on Prime Day. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I always enjoy Amazon is actually a good place to buy like anime. Anytime I, I buy like I'm trying to collect all the series that I watched from my childhood and teenage years and Amazon's always a great place to find stuff like that. They also have great deals on video games most of the time and Prime Day is just like an excuse for me to go on and spend money that I probably shouldn't be. But hey, you know, when in Rome. It went in Rome indeed. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that I know that's coming up. And again, if you're interested in downloading a free copy of Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition, they're supposedly going to, during the Prime Day, take a look at that because they're on the Prime Gaming site that they're supposed to have a download available for free copy of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, plus some retro Star Wars games and Grid Legends. I know that they've already got a ton of 
free games available right now on the Prime Gaming site, so check that out now, and also on Prime Days as well, so just giving gamers out there a heads up once again, but if you have thoughts out there on Amazon Prime Day, some big sales ahead for Amazon Prime Day, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode, but I thought I'd leave the last uh, seven to ten minutes or so in regards to something that is near and dear to our hearts. And that is a movie that at the time did not resonate well with audiences, but has since found a life in and of itself. And 40 years later, it is now considered one of the benchmarks for science fiction and what it created that time in regards to, I guess, the early levels of CGI and what it introduced as far as the the look and feel of a futuristic film that it is. And that is Tron. Mm-hmm. Tron had turned 40 this past weekend. I was really excited to go ahead and remember how much it influenced an early part of my life as far as the game itself. You went ahead and played the arcade game, which you can get a reproduction of with Arcade 1-Up. So give ArcadeOneUp.com a shout out if you're looking to go ahead and relive the fun of Tron. But I think that the movie itself, it, it again, it was kind of misunderstood when it first came out and it didn't do well financially. And Disney was like, oh, man, this stinks. Another yeah. black hole. Like, yeah. Black yeah. hole was supposed to be their right. Star Wars and that didn't, mm-hmm. didn't pan out. But the Tron, but Tron actually found a life in, the, in and of itself and the light cycles and all the action. It really it's got a look and feel even now that, you know, it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's a good movie tells a good narrative. And I really think it's something that was, was really way ahead of its time when it came out. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And like, you're right. It did come out at a time when a good uh, sci-fi movie was like a dime a dozen, right? There's just sci-fi well, Blade movie. Runner was Blade. around that time. And that right. wasn't appreciated at first. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't, I, it was, like you said, it's ahead of its time, and had it been made today, it would have been a whole different story. But you look at a, that this movie, and it paved the way for a lot of the movies we have today. You know, look at um, Ready Player One, like is mm-hmm. just brimming with Tron influence. The Matrix is like I honestly doubt the Matrix would exist without Tron. I mean, and I don't, I don't know. I mean. I, maybe others will disagree with me on that, but I mean, this whole idea of diving into a digital world, like it, it has spawned so much. And uh, I don't know about you, but like, I, I enjoyed Tron legacy. Like I thought it was a, it was a visual feat. That's the 2010 sequel. Mm-hmm. Just to let everybody know the, yeah. the spiritual sequel, which returned Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner back to the actual world of Tron. And like you said, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really a good movie. Obviously, it had the influence of Daft Punk when they were together. They created a superb soundtrack. One of the best film soundtracks of the past 20 years is right there for you on Tron Legacy. But the thing is, I think Joseph Kaczynski, he helmed later on this, I guess, little indie film is called Top Gun Maverick. I think you might have heard of that. Yeah, no that. Okay, okay, yeah. But anyways, that, that little indie film he's found success with, but... I remember him saying in interviews that they actually had a Tron 3. It was on the way in the last decade, but it fell through for various reasons. Well, there's something with Jared Leto supposed yeah. to come out too, right? Like he's supposed to be something. Yeah. I really think people need to go out of the way on Disney Plus to go ahead if it's still on there. I haven't checked it out recently, but the animated series, the short-lived animated mm-hmm. series from Tron, I thought that was really good. I would love to see them go back into that or a series of Tron itself. Instead of doing a Tron 3, now that since a lot of the stuff that gets rebooted gets rebooted into a television series, I'd love to see a 6 to 10 episode arc of Tron. I would love that too. What worries me is it seems like old Disney properties die in streaming format. Like Mighty Ducks is kind of doing that. Well, I found its success early, the Mighty Ducks with the reboot. Yeah, it did, but now it's kind of like fizzling out. So I don't know. Like they they have these cool ideas, but I also like it diminishes sometimes the original versions of it. So I just hope that they would give Tron its due. Well, the thing is, my friend, as I tell everybody in regards to Disney Plus, I think one of their major flaws is the fact that they don't have supplemental content that's actually 
must watch at Disney Plus outside of Star Wars and Marvel. If it doesn't say Star Wars or Marvel on the front of it, they don't have a need to to see it unless well, it's a Pixar movie like Turning yeah. Red. Turning Red, everybody checked out, but they need more supplemental stuff at Disney Plus in order to but, have it continue to thrive. Right, but that that's also the issue with streaming services and or movies just the whole landscape of film right now in general like it's yeah it surprises the heck out of me that top gun crossed a billion dollars not because the movie is bad but because like nobody goes to see anything nobody wants to watch anything anymore that doesn't say star wars or marvel on it you know or dis uh, disney's even iffy but like Nobody wants to see anything anymore that doesn't have those names on it. You know, they don't want to go to the movies to watch things like that. And like that in itself, like I don't necessarily agree with the things that like James Cameron and Martin Scorsese say about these film franchises. But like I do agree with this idea that it's kind of ruining the way that people view film. It is, I guess, in a way it's I would say ruining it. Not ruining it, but But yeah, I mean, it's it's, diminishing I don't know if it's diminishing. It's just changing the landscape. And it's just making it sometimes in, in case as far as harder for other franchises to go ahead and succeed. Although DC with the Batman has found a way to succeed. You saw yeah. everybody getting all that nostalgia. But nostalgia was only going to go so far. A new audience found Top Gun Maverick. Ultimately, the reason why it went over a mm-hmm. billion dollars is because not only just people that saw the 80s movie went to see it, but a new audience, a younger audience went to go ahead and see it as well. That's why Top Gun Maverick has succeeded to the point and level that it has. I think that's that's the reason why is that it succeeded on all those levels and connected with an audience just so much larger than the ones that just saw the original movie. But when it comes to Tron, I really don't think that they should make a Tron movie. I really think they should go towards a focused series and try to improve the Disney Plus library even more. I think that's probably the best route because... Tron Legacy was brought out and it made $400 million at the box office or right thereabouts. Not enough to go ahead at that point in time and green light an automatic sequel, but not enough to go ahead and just tuck it under the rug and just forget about it. I really think that the future for Tron should lie in something more substantial and long term. Disney World, they're doing a Tron related ride there i was gonna say that i know to- yeah. disneyland tokyo has that but i don't know i wasn't sure if they were bringing I, it i think orlando is, is what they were building in orlando that there's going to be something in place for tron and i think they'll revisit tron again because you know how hollywood as a whole they revisit all these old properties when they don't have any original ones so i think tron at some point will find a bigger life whether or not people will accept it that again is all about the storytelling yeah. I really think if you have the kind of good storytelling that the original Tron has, and even to an extent Tron Legacy, I, I like Tron Legacy as well. I thought that was a pretty good story. I thought that was a pretty good movie. Again, the, the soundtrack is amazing. But if you can find a story that's going to connect with an audience like the original Tron, I think there could be a future for Tron just yet. Yeah, I agree. Well, hopefully we will see a future for Tron. I think that if you get a chance, please go ahead on Disney Plus and check out the original Tron and also as well Tron Legacy. They're both pretty good films. But if you want to go ahead and check out, I think, a good science fiction series, go ahead and check out Tron and Tron Legacy today on Disney Plus. And at 40 years later, I think it still can resonate with us today. And hopefully we will see a future for Tron in some form or fashion, Jared Leto or otherwise, hopefully down the road. And Tron will hopefully see the light once again but what are your thoughts out there on tron 40 years later celebrating its 40th birthday please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well another great episode in the books my friend appreciate as always you stopping by but any last thoughts new papa on the way before we head on out (laughs) i think we covered quite a bit man i know ubisoft announced something coming up that we get skull and bones talk about not terribly interested in skull and bones but we'll see they're kind of like fading away here a little bit with like the acquisition rumors by them and i don't know there's just too much going on they need to kind of reevaluate who they are and what they want i agree with you my friend the future is still there for ubisoft but is it as there as, as it once was will it be as strong as it once was we'll see but my friend always great having you here Looking forward to my conversation coming up this Friday with Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. But as always, 
for the best in pop culture. Always stay in tune to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. So here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.